Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael Russo and Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Welcome to He Said, She Said Razor Branding Podcast with Michael and Jackie Russo. Michael, our guest, Mark Donegan, I thought was awesome. The way he digs into the topics around budget and silos and um, really understanding your ideal target audience, it's, um, it's so insightful. It was um, for the first half, and then the, um, and then he was speaking your language more than mine at the end. <laughs> I, I, I started making a list of things at the back half: um, OPX, CapEx, MQL, SDR, KPI, OKR, um, and there was many more. I just started at the very end. Those are literally just the language of our industry. So I I'll be happy to make a glossary for you. Well, I, I know. Well, actually, I, I knew some of them, and once I heard them, it was like the marketing. Um, well, the MQL is the marketing qualified lead. I get that. Correct. Um, yes. But anyway, I am not, I don't use that language as much as you do. So um, I kind of felt a little inferior, but um, that happens but every once in a while. It. You wrote it down. You looked it up. That's good. You took it a moment to learn. I'm you very have no proud idea of you. how often that happens on calls. <laughs> and and thank, thank God for, for Zoom, not in-person meetings as much now these days, because on a Zoom call, I can make notes and I'm like, feverishly typing up what does that mean what does that mean what does that mean because <laughs> god forbid you sound like you don't know some things well, and you shouldn't the, the know. thing is you can always know because you can always look it up so good job and generally i know what it is i just may not have used that same language or i may not be in the know and the trend i don't like using trendy words i like using my own words i know i know all right i'm going to finish our intro so that the good people can listen to the amazing podcast so mark donigan designs and executes marketing programs and go to market strategies to establish and grow markets for disruptive innovation startup companies as a transformative b2b marketing and business leader mark understand what's required to succeed in today's winner takes all market i hope y'all enjoy our chat with mark donigan and so without further ado mark welcome to the show Hey, it's great to be here. Super excited for the conversation. Well, we're excited to have you. You know, as um, Christina and the PR team were sending over potential guests and I saw your one sheet, I thought, okay, this guy likes to party. He's a tech company builder <laughs> and a marketing <laughs> consultant. And those are my two favorite things to talk about, tech and marketing. That's right. That's right. Mine too. So we're we're going to have a great time. Yeah, well, I know we will. Michael's remaining silent because, I mean, marketing kind of, that's his job, but tech <laughs> does not make him happy. Oh, really? Okay. Um, well, <laughs> you know, it's not that it doesn't make me happy. It's just, it, it's all happening so fast. You know, yeah. I, I, and it's been happening. I, I, I just, I want to go back to the, um, the basic days of, of print ads and headlines and things oh. like that. And, you know, <laughs> but, but those, I, I, we haven't done a print ad in God knows how long. We don't do yeah. any, I mean, we just got got finished dumping out all of our um, our promo items and, and print copies and samples and things like that. We had a huge filing cabinet full of stuff and and really broke my heart. Jackie was like, filing you know, we, we cabinet. Toss it. Oh, there yeah. we go. Like a, <laughs> I one remember of those, giant, those things. <laughs> yeah, giant flatbed cabinet with all of our yeah, like, that's uh, right. that's brochures right. and samples. And yeah, it, yeah. It's been, it was kind of heartbreaking, but you know, it's just a reality. I mean, I had to show yeah. somebody the other day, one of our designers, how to set something up for press because they just don't do it anymore. You know, it's, right. it's a different world. Right. It happened yeah. so quickly. It, it I know yeah. it's been coming, but it seems like it was yesterday. And all of a sudden, somebody flipped a switch and we're digital. And I know there it's, you go. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deal with it. Yeah, you know? it's awesome. No, but it opens up a lot of, you know, great opportunities, uh, too. So, you know, change oh, yeah. is a good thing. No, it is. And I mean, you know, and, and, and we've, I, I think in, in so many ways, I mean, we're more productive, uh, things go faster. I think expectations mm -hmm. are higher. So in some ways yeah. too, um, yeah. people, you know, have, um, it's more approachable. So I think a lot of people in, in the industry can, it's, I talk about this a lot, but it's rare that you go to your doctor and second guess him, but you can always second guess a marketer or a designer, you know, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's easy. It, because live everybody is a marketing expert, right? But we live in marketing, we live in that world. So it yeah, seems so approachable right. and understandable. Um, and I, we know that there's levels and we know there's, there's some depth in there. Um, especially if you do it over and over again and you try to really kind of saturate and, and get to know your audience and all these different elements. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it is again, it's easy. It's easy to jump in the deep end and say, yeah, yeah I have an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. So you have to that's kind of right. deal with that too. You know, that's right. Yeah, that's true. 
You know, I, I'm going to let y'all keep going, but I, Michael, I just have to call you on a couple things. Um, and Mark, bear with us for a second while we have a relationship aside. First of all, <laughs> we've been a basically paperless office for over 10 years now. That stuff had gathered dust and had not been used, and it needed to be thrown away. I found files from 2005. Wow. I know. <laughs> and they, and so, they hurt. They hurt. like It felt like it was yesterday, Jackie. I cannot let you be a hoarder anymore. It is not helping <laughs> at all. Um, and don't we collectively, the three of us, maybe think that the new way where it's a dialogue and there's an opportunity right. to ask questions and get answers, engage reactions and understand engagement, that what we're doing gets better because we're yeah. able to be more targeted and specific. You know, um, this is actually this actually is going to lead into, I think, a really, really important um, marketing um, uh, paradigm <laughs> paradigm shift. There we go. 2005. See, <laughs> got to get that word in there. Paradigm. Mm -hmm. Um, is that you remember, and again, 2005, um, you had to go to a trade show to meet with a vendor to actually really be able to learn about the product. Uh, and, and when I say you had to go like, like literally, if you weren't there, you miss an opportunity to really, um, you know, understand the latest product, you know, have them talk to you about, uh, you know, future roadmap, et cetera. I mean, yes, there were websites, you know, clearly. And yes, in theory, all that information was on the website, but still the primary discovery mechanism was face to face. And of course, if you were a large enough customer, well, the vendor would come to you, right? But if you were not, so for those of us who are kind of, you know, smaller, medium sized, we would go to these trade shows, we'd go to these conferences and with a very clear agenda, oh, I need to meet with this vendor. I need to meet with that vendor. Wow. I need to really make sure that I can convince, you know, this vendor that we're big enough for them that, you know, we could have an opportunity to buy their product. Today, Wow, how it has changed. Now you have all of the customers self-educating. The information's freely available. How is it available? Well, A, because you know, smart marketers are actually making it easy to learn and discover and to get all this. So they're not hiding it. They're not, you know, hiding it behind paywalls. They're not requiring that, oh, you have to come meet with us at this show. It's available. But furthermore, the market is talking about it. Peers are talking about it. Our colleagues are talking about the products. They have information to share. And that's why Gartner says now, like more than 50% of the buyer's journey is complete in the typical B2B buying process, buying committee, before the first vendor is even contacted for a meeting. And yet I see way too many marketing teams working in the old way. Right. You know, I mean, that's it. That's so. the mic drop. The whole That's, podcast could end. Yeah, right I mean, there. I don't want to say mic drop, but you know, but but it is but really and the point and the point that I made in that short little monologue is so 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 critical. The companies I work with, um, it, it, you know, founders that call me, you know, hey Mark, you know, give me some insights, help us out. We're you know, we're struggling with this almost universally across the board. I start with that. And there's a long pregnant pause, and they go we've got 300 grand targeted for the next trade show. And I say, why? <laughs> right. Why? Now I'm not saying you shouldn't go, you mm -hmm. know, and maybe you should even spend that 300,000, but it should be 150 on the booth and it should be 150 in a user conference the day before the show starts. Yep. And nobody's thinking that way, nope. but that's what our buyers want. You do that. And, oh, yeah, sure, you're not going to have as many bad scans. All these vanity metrics, you know, are going to go down, right? And yet the sales team's going to go, this is awesome. CFO is going to say, wow, we're actually going to make our quarter. Well, and that's <laughs> relationship selling in a digital age. That's right. Yeah, that's right. People still want the human contact. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, I don't course. need to keep adding to the badge wall behind me. Um, I'm perfectly happy doing this with podcasts and and picking That's and right. choosing. It's now about quality over quantity. That's and right. I, think, I think it's a smart play. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, we can perhaps then branch off and have a real interesting uh, conversation about, do you know, what are the venues, i.e. the channels, you know, that you can execute this strategy. So, you know, I mentioned like, oh, you know, the day before a major trade show, you do a user conference. Okay. You know, that's in person, ton of value, anywhere from, you know, moderate to maybe you know, uh, very high or, you know, expensive. So in other words, it's not cheap, but Hey, what about a podcast? You know, what about, you know, virtual events? I'll tell you virtual events in some circles are kind of like, yeah, virtual events. Nobody wants to go to those anymore. You know what I am seeing and the companies that I work with are being hugely successful in virtual events. Now, if you're going to measure it by the fact you had 500 people register and 350 show up, yeah, they're a dismal failure. But if you're going to register by the fact you had 30 people attend, and oh, by the way, of those 30 people, three were in our ICP, one of them we were working with, and two of them are net new, and we're now in serious conversations. I don't know. I want the latter, not the, you know, not, not the former, you know, the 350 registrants I could care less about. I care about dollars. I care about revenue. And I think we all do. Yeah. Quality over quantity. Well, yeah. that goes back to, yeah. is, you know, really understanding your audience, understanding who it is you're trying to get and, and going after them and being very targeted right. with that. Um, That's right. Uh, you can be more targeted with that too. I mean, with the, you know, I've complained about the digital side, but I also love the power of it because, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, as a, a message person and a writer, mm. I really believe in, you know, being able to get in front of the right people now is so much easier. Um, it's still hard, but it's easier. It, it's a, a kind of a mixed bag, right? If you know how to do yeah. it and if you have the right messages and you have the right audience and you know how to connect with them. But, um, but the opportunity to make that happen is, is so much more attainable than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, I've heard um, the, the the phrase or the description dark social, you know, is kind of this way to describe the interactions that our buyers or the market is having on forums and, you know, even just on, on, on LinkedIn posts. You know, I am increasingly just blown away by, you know, someone will make a post, an influencer or otherwise, and people will start commenting, jumping in. Next thing you know, there's whole conversation threads happening on a post that um, people are getting, you know, they're learning about companies, they're learning about, you know, maybe technologies They're, you know, in other words, they're getting information and, and you say, what was the mechanism? It was a LinkedIn post. And maybe it was a LinkedIn post. It was super obvious. You know, in other words, the post was written with a very specific intent, you know, to spark a conversation and, and, you, you know, and create dialogue, right? That that's often the case, but sometimes you look at the post and you go, wow. I mean, I can see why the conversation kind of went in a certain way, but it, you know, it's just a post. And yet how social. many professionals are getting their information through these mechanisms, you know, through, through LinkedIn posts. Just like that. Well, it, it's treating it for what it's supposed to be, which is social media. It's not a broadcast medium. I'm not talking at you. Yeah. I'm engaging with you. Yeah. I'm shocked when clients say, or or prospective clients, even mm. more funny, um, <laughs> oh, I, we don't like that stuff. I'm like, oh, you don't like having direct access to decision makers? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You don't like being yeah. able to skip the gatekeeper and yeah. have a whole relationship built with them online? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> there's there's probably someone else out there who can, you know, run your ad campaigns, but you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm completely with you. And, and, and yet, you know, the, the this conversation, I, I would highly doubt that your audience is turning us off at this moment. Like, Oh, I don't believe in that. <laughs> you know, everybody's head is nodding and, and it's simple to execute on one hand, you know, we're talking about like, doing a podcast, like, uh, okay, there's, there's a lot of, and I, I've had multiple podcasts. You have a podcast, you know, there's actually a lot that goes in, you know, that's not seen that, you know, to like putting these episodes out. Um, but yet it's, it's simple. It's clearly defined. There's a set of steps there, you know, there's, there, there's, there's way you can hire people, agents, there, there's ways to get the work done, you know, and it doesn't have to be real expensive. So these things were, you know, posting on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Okay. So you probably want a premium uh, subscription. So it's, I don't know, 800 bucks a year, whatever it is now, you know, they, it's changing all the time with LinkedIn. Um, but okay. So it's not exactly free, but it's basically free. Right. 
And yet executing in a consistent manner, in a high quality way, in, in, uh, uh, you know, you can throw around authentic, you know, there's different ways to describe, um, but in a way that's going to connect to your, to your audience, you know, who you want to reach that actually takes, that's hard and it takes focus and it takes showing up every day. Uh, and that's where people struggle. You know, and discipline. Yeah. I mean, you have to have a discipline yeah. for it because you're right. We talk about that a lot here, even with our ourselves. Um, you get you can get kind of jaded by the numbers sometimes, you know, and yeah. you, how come, you know, the word viral is, is almost a, a bad word, I think, in our business, because everybody wants <laughs> yeah. to go viral and and not everything goes viral. You know, it's I mean, if, if you happen to be and, in a certain segment, maybe you're never going to go viral, you know, because yeah, you're yeah. not selling to that yeah. audience. I mean, we're, we're dealing yeah. with B2B type things. And yeah it's not always the same yeah. uh, network and the same type of uh, messaging that's out there. And um, yeah, so it's, you know, you, you watch the, you can watch the tracker, you can see the metrics, it's all in front of you. So you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're hit with all this information all the time. And so I think that uh, was the paralysis by analysis, you know, you, you start to overthink yeah. it and, and then you end up kind of giving up a little bit or not yeah. trusting anything or not trusting anyone. Yeah. And that's never a good sign either. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there is uh so I love that comment you made about uh, virality because I think that connects to like um, SEO, you know, and that's always a big question is, you know, is SEO still relevant? Do I need to focus on it? What is the value? And, um, and, and look again, you know, there are phases. So if we go back to the good old days of 2005, you know, 2008, 2010, mm -hmm. um, Hey, SEO and, as you know, my view is, is that as long as there is a, a search mechanism, you know, search engine, and as long as a sufficiently high number of our potential, uh, you know, clients, customers are going to go and use that for discovery, then yes, that's an avenue. That's a channel, right? And it's relevant. So it's not to say ah, SEO, you know, it doesn't matter at all, but we have to think about how our buyers discover uh, solutions, how they get information. And in a lot of the markets that I'm in, um, you know, well, I'll, I'll get pulled into a discussion from a founder that says, you know, yeah, you know, so, so Mark, you know, we're doing this thing over here. It's for SEO, you know, which right away is like that, that that's the signal for, we have no idea why we're doing it. We it's producing zero business result, but we're going to say it's for SEO, you know, because usually you go and you say, Oh really, what are the keywords you're trying to rank for? And you check and it's like, they're on like page 18, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So like, Hmm, your SEO value isn't that high there. Um, but the point is, is that when you begin to really get under the hood of how does our ICP, you know, kind of use a, a marketing, but our ideal customer profile, in other words, the person that, that we believe we do need to be speaking to, we want to be speaking to, how do they discover information? And when you map that out, you very often find that the very last thing they do is Google. And usually they're running a Google search for it, you know, maybe it's just like, oh, wait, um, you know, I need to go to the website and I don't remember if it was a .com or a .io, you know, and so they enter your brand name, right? So they do a brand search, you know, or, or they're like, huh, I wonder if there's, you know, I, I'm just out of curiosity, just see what else comes up. They've already have a short list. They've already gone through a whole buying cycle. Even whatever websites they go visit, it's almost more validation that the three vendors that are on the short list are the right ones. It's not because, you know, they're like, I have no idea what to do. I'm going to Google. And the first three websites, I'm going to click and I'm going to request a meeting. Like, I, I don't know. I would say that almost never happens, you know, maybe occasionally, yeah. but it almost never happens. But what does happen is someone reads something on, you know, let's say LinkedIn. Again, we're talking to a B2B audience. So, you know, that's going to be a primary channel. They read something, they read something again, they, they see a short video, they, you know, and at some point along this journey, you know, where that's through promoted content or they're connected to somebody in, in, in the, in the, um, in the company. And so therefore the algorithm serving content, you know, all of a sudden they go, I should actually go take a look at, at these guys. You know, they, they, they seem to have a good product, you know, or I like what they're saying or, wow, that, that's, he's really intelligent. 
she's really intelligent. Every time she publishes something, like I read it and I learn something, that's a hook, right? But so that's the virality. So the point is the virality doesn't happen by just a lightning strike, boom, you know, a million views in three days, you know? Okay, TikTok, that's a phenomenon, right? But that's not how B2B marketing works. And the reality is a million views in three days, when you know your total addressable market is 12,000 companies in the world, like <laughs> who are these other 900 and, you know, uh, you know, whatever the number is, you know, nine, <laughs> 900,000 companies, you know, it's well, like, chances are most of those viral things are, they're ridiculous that they're not, they're yeah. not selling anything. I mean, yeah. I, I heard yeah, a stat yeah. once it was uh, yeah. like Super Bowl ads, like very few of them actually had any result in moving the needle, you know, of course, um, of course. and it's like, okay, well, that was it's just an a, ego boost. It's exactly. an ego boost for the CEO. Yeah. That's, and so you have something really, really fun and people like it and all that. That's great. But yeah. did it actually do its job? Did it communicate yeah. something? Did it pass a yeah. message on? Did it make you believe in that product or service more? Yeah. You know, did yeah. it make you interested? I mean, we, we talk about that a lot about making, you know, being the expert in the room for our clients, always being the mm -hmm. smartest one, uh, being thought leaders, mm -hmm. being, you know, the people that they mm -hmm. can trust and to build up that, right. uh, that character and that loyalty over time by having the answers, you know, like, okay, yeah. I'm, when I need something, I'm going to go to the person that is going to give me the right answer. I mean, yeah, that's right. be that person. Um, and that takes time. It takes, you know, knowing who you are. It takes, mm -hmm. you know, know, knowing what you do and what you do well, better than everybody else. Yeah. All those little things that people want to jump over and get right to the yeah. finish line and say, that's you know, right. I want a dancing this or something loud and obnoxious, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, what's your process for budgeting? Just to kind of switch the subject up a little uh, bit. Talk to me about, you know, how that's changed over time and what yeah. you feel like is the right guidance measures now for budgeting for clients. Yeah, um, uh, well, that is a great question. And of course, incredibly timely because, uh, it, you know, certain market segments are really under pressure right now. Uh, either revenues are down, business is down, or, uh, you know, maybe actually revenues are, are, are not down, but they're just, um, you know, the board is mandating uh, operational cost efficiencies. And the thing about marketing is, it's a first place to go, <laughs> you know, because a um, it, it's still amazing to me how many chief executives don't really understand marketing. You know, right. um, I mean, they really don't. Uh, they want to, you know, at least in my experience, it's not that, you know, they, they they don't, but they don't understand it. And so if you don't understand something and you're spending, relatively speaking, a lot of money on it, well, it's totally natural. It's like why are we spending $300,000 a year to go to this trade show? <laughs> and by the way, that actually is probably a good question to ask, but anyway, so here's how I, it, 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 let me, let me provide sort of a framework. And then, you know, if you want, we can unpack it and kind of go, go deeper uh, into specifics, but I really look at, 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 uh, at budgeting and, you know, there's kind of two parts to it, right? There's the CapEx and the OpEx, you know, so, um, CapEx, you know, I consider people and, you know, kind of fixed costs, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the team that's, you know, that's HubSpot and, you know, whatever tools you might be using. Um, uh, but let's focus on OpEx, although I do want to come back to the CapEx side, because I, I have some clear thoughts that diverge a little bit from, you know, what people are doing out there. Um, but on the OPEX side, so that is, you know, like trade show expense, um, you know, paid, paid media or paid digital, or, you know, it's all the things where we're spending money to get exposure, you know, to, 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 to get ourselves out there. So the framework that I use is I look at the buyer's journey and I try and allocate as best as I can, where are the concentrations of attention? You know, and so you could say eyeballs or, you know, whatever, but, but I like attention. So, um, and based on the market, uh, and based on the industry, uh, uh but, you know, this can change, but, you know, it could be, and, and again, you know, I, I want to be very clear, you know, I've made a couple comments that, you know, may sound like, oh, I hate events, you know, events are terrible, you know, um, no, I don't. Uh, but as long as there's a tension there. The problem is, is that there's too many marketing plans where it's like, oh, here's the three major shows in our, in our industry and in our, you know, we, of course we have to go. And then you look at me and you go, well, yeah, one of them. Yeah. That, you know, still people go, but the other two, like, you know, like our ICPs are not there. 
So, well, and, you, you know, know, and not to interrupt, but I will interrupt. Uh, we found that too recently, um, you know, there's almost zero follow-up or, or yeah. lead-in. Like oh. they're not taking advantage of that opportunity. Like, like there's That's a huge right. opportunity That's to right. have this expand, but they're not they're mm-hmm. not coming away with lists. They don't have a plan for it, a process. Right. And no follow-up. Yeah, yep. it's a huge deal, yep. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was, I, I was, I was working with a company not too long ago, um, who uh, traditionally had invested, and in, you know, and they're, um, I, I mean, they're in the, uh, uh, you, you know, nine-figure revenue range. So, you know, so I mean, they're sitting at lower nine figures, but still, you know, I mean, they're they're producing revenue is my point. Um, but they were spending, you know, 300 to as much as 400, even $450,000 on trade shows. And, you know, look, beautiful booths, you know, big, you know, um, uh, you know, impressive, right. You know, you walk along, Oh, wow. Wow. This is amazing. Right. And yet, um, uh, when, uh, the budget started to really come under scrutiny and the very simple question, very simple question was asked. I mean, incredibly simple. What have we gotten out of that spend? That was the question. It wasn't, you know, oh, you know, can we prove that we, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, two X, three X, the ROI, can we, you know, like, like, can you map it to, I mean, it was very simple and even a response that it had come back that was as simple of a response as, well, we scanned this many badges. Um, we, uh, you know, we held this many meetings there was in our pipeline, as we went into that show, there was X number of millions of revenue. We met with a hundred percent of the pipeline and we, you know, like, in other words, like some of that is very soft. It's not hard to do. And do you know that the sales team could not produce that information? No. Could not produce it. And, what and, are they doing? and, well, you know, let, let's not get into that, but, but, <laughs> but, 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 you know, the feedback from, you know, from sellers and, you know, others was, oh, but the competition, you know, they had this and they had that, and maybe we need to put an expensive sports car in the booth and, you know, and, and that'll attract more people. And it was like, I was on calls and it's like, stop, 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 stop. None of that is going to happen because you know, even the most simple, how is this $300,000 moving a deal through the pipeline? Answer that. And all of a sudden, you know, and, and, you know, this particular industry and like all industries is under pressure and no, you know, the board was not going to approve the same level of spend, but, you know, so it wasn't going to be quite as big and impressive, but, you know, but clearly, but, you got to answer that. And it is shocking to me how this story, and I just challenge any listeners like, oh, wow, that company doesn't get it. Look in the mirror. Most of them, 100%. <laughs> Look in the mirror yep. and ask yourself, like, you know, like, and then you would go to the sales team and you'd be like, because, you know, there they were bad scans and all that was logged. So, you know, and there was a meeting calendar and everything. And by the way, the company did like 150 or 200 meetings during like a three or four day show. So I'm not talking about they just showed up and stood there. Right. You know, but the point was, was that there was no mechanism, no process, no framework to say, okay, it's impossible to say, and this is true. It doesn't matter to the market. It's impossible to say we spent X to go to that show and it generated this revenue because of the complexity of the buyer's journey, the, you know, you're like, yeah, but like 95% of our meetings were with really existing deals in the pipeline, existing customers, you know what? So how do you map that? Like, how do you say, oh, because I met with this company, we got another $5 million of revenue. Yeah, you know, maybe it sparked a conversation, but it's very, very difficult to say with certainty because we went to the show, it triggered this revenue. But the point is you should be able to map and hold up your investment. And this came back to the budget. So I haven't gone off track here. Right. Um, You need to be able to hold up some sort of a framework that says we're spending money on these activities. We know, and here's, you know, here's the proof that our buyer's attention are in these areas. And we know that the buyer's attention 
you know, is there. And we believe that the best way for us to, you know, to capture more of that attention and, you know, and raise our profile, et cetera, be a part of more conversations is to attend that show or to sponsor this event or to, you know, and, and look, this could be put a billboard on the side of the road. You know, I mean, in some way, tech companies get sometimes made fun of um, in certain circles, not all circles, like in Silicon Valley, for example, you know, why did they have billboards? You know, why do all these tech companies have billboards? Well, it's the exact same reason that when you go to Hollywood, they have all of the billboards of all the latest movie premieres. And yet you can go to almost any other major city other than, you know, maybe New York City, Times Square. You know, and you're going to see zero billboards and you scratch your head and go, wait a second. This is Hollywood. This is where the movies are made. This isn't where the audience is. Why are they advertising to like the people making them? You know, well, there's all kinds of reasons, you know, there's the awards and, you know, anyway, that's a whole nother topic. But, but so the point is, is that I actually believe that it could make sense to buy a billboard for a tech company in San Francisco, but if your intent, you know, is to, you know, drive signups, drive demos, and you're buying a billboard, well, you know, like, yeah, no, that's flushing money down the road. I mean, down the, you know, down the drain. But, you know, if there's a reason that you're trying to raise um, the visibility in the investment community, you know, maybe you've, you've closed a series A, you're starting to get some traction, you're out shopping for a series B. Uh, you know, you're out, you're out looking to raise money. Hey, it, it might make a lot of sense. Right. You know, um, again, where is the attention? Well, if you're trying to raise money in Silicon Valley, you know, you don't want billboards in Denver, Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> even though there, there there's VCs in Denver and maybe even there's VCs that love to invest in your company, but you know, like the odds of, you know, in other words, the ROI. So, right. Yeah. Right now, so that's I, I how I that. think about OPEX. Now, do you want to talk about CapEx? Yes, please. Okay. So there's a couple, I, I find there's a couple schools of thought of how you build a marketing uh, function, you know, and, and I'll, I'll start out using that terminology because, uh, because that could mean that you hire, that you do it all in house, you, in, you, you insource it, you know, uh, you build a team, right? But at the end of the day, it's a function. And there's increasingly more parts of that function that there's actually a good argument to be made that you don't need it or even want it in-house because maybe you need to be able to scale that function up around certain, you know, times of the year when maybe there's certain activities that, you know, that require more of that function than other times. Maybe um, you even want a diversity of, uh, and, and I, may, I mean this in always a diversity of voice, a diversity of perspective, a diversity of, of, um, uh, of, of style. You know, so this often happens in writing. This happens in graphic design, for example. Um, yes, you have your brand style guide. Yes, you have a voice. And no, you know, everything you put out shouldn't feel like it's written by, you know, like you have 50 people all writing in different styles. That would be incoherent. Um, but there can be some very good reasons why um, working uh, with more flexible resources actually pays off. But there's a couple roles that you have to nail to make all of this work. And that is you need a conductor of the orchestra. And this is, and, and I've, I've adopted this, you know, kind of word picture because I think a lot, you know, you don't have to be a musician to kind of understand like, okay, if there's, you know, even 10 or 15 musicians on stage, much less 50 or 60, you know, like, like as in a full blown, you know, symphony orchestra, however many there are, um, they can be world-class. And if you go hear a major symphony orchestra, you can assume that each player on that stage is among the best in the world, you know, uh, uh, for their instrument. And even though they probably could play the music, and maybe to the completely uninformed person, they'd go, oh, wow, that's that sounds pretty good. Um, but it is going to be nothing like when the conductor gets on stage. 
and is able to bring out, you know, all of the nuances and bring out the performance. And that's when you say, wow, you know, that's when you walk out of those kind of performances and you're just in awe at what you just heard. And um, so the CMO is that conductor. Now, don't get hung up on the title. You know, in other words, it could be VP of marketing, it could be head of marketing, you know, it could be director of marketing. The point is, is that there has to be somebody who has a vision for the market, has a vision, uh, knowledge of the market, vision for the company is conducting. So whether or not you're using freelancers, whether you're working with maybe an agency or an agency or two, or, or you build a team. If you don't have the conductor, it's, it, it's, you can have good work being done, which is why I love the, the, the music analogy, because you can still have the very best players on stage, but you don't, you know, intuitively you can understand the net result is not going to be as sweet. You know, it's not going to be as good and not because, you know, the team doesn't want to work together, or, you know, isn't coordinated or isn't communicating, you know, no, no. It's just because like, in the orchestra, like you got the violin player on one side of the stage, you got the French horn, you know, in the back, you've got, how in the world are they going to, are they going to communicate? Like even when you're holding your instrument, like, what are you going to do? The French horn person's going to like in between playing notes, shout, you know, <laughs> talk to the violin player, like, and both their hands are occupied. Like, what are they going to do? Wink, you know, like how, you know, how can you coordinate, you know? So so that's I, I, um, something to think about in terms of balancing cost is not always my point. And then I'll let you comment or sure. question um, is that is, you know, is that on the team side, it's not that, oh, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I need a, I need a director of marketing and then I need a director of digital marketing. And then I need, you know, two generalists underneath them. And then I need, you know, I need a creative director and then I need two designers. You know, it's like this whole big hierarchy and that's how you end up with 15 person marketing teams that can't get anything done in my experience. So well, and I, I love the way you talk about scaling it up and down because that's what I see a lot of in, in most of the B2B companies that we, you know, encounter, whether they become clients or not, mm -hmm. uh, they're smaller teams and they just spend their time completely tapped. They're so stressed. Yeah. Their capacity is so yeah. maxed because yeah. they don't have these outside resources to scale up and down with. That's right. Yeah. And then, you know, that affects creativity and, and then you get into reaction mode and, you know, this is, this is again, really interesting. Um, I quite frequently, because I work with technical founders really exclusively and, uh, and I work with companies that are, have reached product market fit. Usually they've kind of crossed that $5 million a year in revenue. Uh, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're scaling. In other words, they have a product that meets a real market need. Uh, you know, oftentimes people say product market fit. Um, you know, that can mean slight, it can mean different things, but anyway, the point is, you know, they're out there in market. They're not just starting, you know, like, ah, you know, we're trying to get people to get to know us, you know? Um, and, Oftentimes a founder will give me some version of, or even just directly say like, like Mark, you know, like, like tell me I need to kind of replace my whole marketing team and done, you know, like I'm like, I'm not happy with what they're doing, you know, and, and it's said in different ways. Right. But it's kind of that, you know, or tell me, you know, we need to get rid of the head of marketing and, you know, and, and hire someone new or whatever, it'll be done. And it's shocking how often I come in and, you know, go through an assessment and I come back and I say, you know what? I mean, uh, uh, of course there's always, you know, somebody can be a little better in this area or, you know, maybe should, you know, focus on, you know, on this, you know, maybe there's a skill or there's something that they don't know that they need to get to speed on. But rarely do I say fundamentally, yeah, you, you know, yeah, you need to like replace that role or that person or whatever. Usually I just come back, I say, look, you have basically good work being done. And, and, and often I get like, what? Like, have you seen our website, you know, or, or like, really? Like we're invisible to the market. I go, let me clarify what I just said. 
You have good work being done as individual discrete units. The problem is it's not synchronized. Again, it goes back to the conductor. It's not synchronized. It You're focusing in the wrong areas. So you're writing good content, but you're writing about stuff that the buying committee doesn't care about. That's not that it, it just hiring a new writer isn't going to solve that. They're just going to write more of the same articles because they're getting direction, you know, from the founder or from somebody, you know, and it's not right. So if we adjust those things, then all of a sudden your efficacy, you know, which is a word I like to use, you know, in other words, your effectiveness is, is going to improve, you know, two X, three X, five X, 10 X, you know, think, and, you know, and it may not be in all cases, but I think, you know, the, um, the root of some of that is non-believers like they already, <laughs> they don't believe in advertising or marketing. It is a, it yeah. is a necessary evil. Yeah. I have yeah, to spend yeah, money on this. Right. Yeah, I have yeah. to spend my, my budget every month on this just yeah. to have it out there. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. so they, so they will bottom line their internal marketing. They're not going to go hire an agency. They're going to hire an yeah. in-house department of three people and have them slave out something for a, yeah. a multi-million dollar company. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and yeah. because they're used to an old way, you know, yeah. and, yeah. and, and, it, we find that a lot, I think, depends on who we're working with, but sure. it's it's having that transition. And maybe into some the new industries, world. you yeah. know, as well. And and I always hate, you know, kind of, you know, the, you know, like using the term old school or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. or legacy or whatever. But you know, no, let, let's face it. I mean, there are some, uh, you know, industries or even some markets where things are just kind of, you know, like it hasn't changed in literally fifty years. You know, the way they operate, the way they, and. To me, that's really sad because, um, first of all, they will get disrupted, you know, and they usually are. They just don't know it yet, <laughs> you know, or, or they're unwilling to accept it. But they will get disrupted by someone who comes in and, and understands, you know, um, the way the buyers think. And, you know, maybe they have an insight on the product and, you know, and so they get disrupted both on the product side and the go to market side. Um, and, and that, you know, I. I don't adopt the posture of like, oh, they just don't get it. You know, okay. You know, it's like the dinosaur thing. You know, hear people say, oh, they're dinosaurs. I'm like, well, it's kind of sad for the dinosaur. Like that doesn't make me happy. <laughs> you know, like, oh, the dinosaur died. Like that doesn't make me happy. So I often, you know, just really try and connect to um, where the disruption, uh, potential disruption points are. And like I said, you know, there's disruption on the product side. Uh, sometimes people kind of just go there and they get fixated on like, oh, we need to fix the product. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that work needs to be done. But you know what? Selling through distributors who basically their, their sole job is to put your boxes on a warehouse in, in a warehouse and sit back and wait for a white van to drive up. And, and to walk in and say, Hey, you got three of this and four of those and 18 of these. Yeah, we got them. All right. You know, and then, you know, like, like that's not how you're going to win, you know, yeah. and it's certainly not how you're going to grow your business. You, you know, you, you might have a nice two, $3 million, five, six, $7 million your business, but you know, like, like most people would like to, you know, grow. So, well, yeah, there is nothing more glorious, Mark, than when they become believers, when yeah, you are able yeah, to prove something right. to them, they see something, their eyes are lit up and they're like, oh, I like this yeah. branding thing. I yeah. like this marketing. Like, you yeah, know, there's something right. that clicks and, yeah. and maybe it yeah. comes back around or somebody, one of their salespeople came back and said how this worked or that worked. Yeah. And it doesn't always happen, but when it does, yeah. it is marvelous. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And uh, at the same time, I, I actually rarely um, interact with, uh, with, uh, you know, with people who, in air quotes, don't get marketing because I, I have just learned that it is so much work and effort and it, it's like trying to convert the person who they don't want to be converted or they don't know they have a problem, you know? And I don't know, you know, I, there's all kinds of examples, I think just in life of, you know, trying to help your friend and they don't think they have a problem. You can see they do, but at some point you just have to kind of walk away and say, this really stinks because I can see this isn't going in a good direction, but you know, like, <laughs> yeah, we finally so. got to a place where we could do more of that. Um, in the past 10 years yeah. or so, we, That's you know, great. we're able to make better decisions and really identify the clients that would work best with us. And I think yeah. that was a big yeah. jump for our yeah. agency is saying, okay, these are the people that we really want that, you know, yeah. they're believers that yeah. they're going to invest themselves. They're, they're going to listen. They're going to work with us, not just have us do all the work. They want, they want, we want to 
collaboration. Yeah. A lot of things that we put in on writing and said, these are this is our our Bible of, of, of code of mm. ethics that we want from clients. Mm. We want to be treated well. We want to be, you know, you can't just yell at people and 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 and, and that just doesn't work. So yeah. um and luckily the past, like I said, 10 years or so, we have this amazing roster of clients right. that that we've had long relationships with. And it comes from that of understanding those That's things great. too. Yeah. 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 One of the best, uh, you know, just career advice that I was given years ago, I mean, years and years ago from a mentor that, you know, I had an opportunity, founder of a company that, you know, was really significant in my career, um, uh, both personally and professionally. Uh, but, um, I remember him saying one time, he, he said, Mark, he said, you know, we were talking about some, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know, something about, you know, doing some work with or joining, you know, I was joining with another company and he said, Mark, he said, my only advice is this. He said, the, the, the single greatest thing that's going to set you up for, you know, success professionally, whatever is choosing the right company. It's not the title. It's not the role. It's not even, I mean, the role, you know, obviously, you know, you have to be able to do the job, but you know, it, it's, it's the right company you know, choose the right company, the company that has the right product, has the right management team, has the, you know, and, and, and that's just worked so well for me, you know, through the years since then of just, you know, thinking like clients and, you know, um, both personally and professionally, you know, it's like when you get that right, it's all, it's just, it's easy, you know, and when I've gotten it wrong, oh boy, it's a slog, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, definitely. So. Um, I wanted to tackle one more other topic just real quick because uh, I, I know our time is is coming to a close. But it's something that I hear over and over again is this this challenge of the silos. And I thought as we mm -hmm. got more connected and more, you know, digital project management and digital communications, and uh, I thought the silos would go away. Uh, but apparently, they're more ego driven than technology based. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah. Yeah. What do you see as the solution for breaking down those walls between sales and marketing, for example, where people have to become so territorial? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's, it's super simple, uh, but unfortunately it's not being done and it's simple because it just starts with the CEO, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and, and it's with the CEO, both in terms of how that person, how he or she interacts with the head of sales and marketing and even the conversations that they are having either with each person individually or, or, or together. Um, but it, but it really goes down to, you know, how it is, you know, what you measure <laughs> is what gets focused on. Right. I mean, and that's so simple. And yet how many times does marketing have a set of KPIs that are, in some way, really out of sync with sales. So let me illustrate it. Uh, a number of years ago, I really abolished talking and thinking and building any plans. In fact, it actually cost me an, an opportunity to take a role in a, in a, and now a pretty hot flying startup because they wanted me to build a set of KPIs around MQLs. And my final presentation um, uh, you, you know, I was one of the, you know, final, um, uh, individuals they were considering for the, for this particular role to run marketing was all about, they said, we want you to present a plan to meet this target for MQLs. Well, I presented the plan, but it wasn't based on all the traditional and, you know, and, and here's how much the spend is going to be. And that's what it's going to get us. And, you know, it was a much bigger strategy. Uh, uh, well, the problem is, is that if you have a marketing team chasing MQLs, that has zero correlation to revenue. Fact. Think about it. It's a marketing qualified lead. That means Mark Donegan went to the website, registered for the webinar. I'm now an MQL. But I registered for the webinar because... I don't know. I was, I, I, I learned that they're using a technology platform I'm considering. And I just wanted to see how well the, how, uh, you know, I just wanted to see the webinar. I was curious because they had a really provocative hook on LinkedIn and I'm kind of like, huh, that's kind of cool. I, I, you know, I want to register and kind of see the, see all their marketing material. In other words, right. what I'm saying is 
I am the further, I will never be a buyer for their product. Right. Guess what? I'm an MQL. Now right. all of a sudden an SDR is chasing me and I'm just like, delete, delete. How do I get rid of this person? I'm right. sure, you know, he or she is a nice person, but come on, delete, delete, delete. So now you have a CMO, head of marketing, whatever, who's crushing their MQL goal. And you've got a sales leader who's like, everything marketing sends me is crap. <laughs> and you know what? The sales leader is right. Because right. guess what? The incentive you know, what you measure is what gets focused on that marketing head, one of he or she's, you know, KPIs, um, you know, OKRs, you know, whatever, whatever framework that the company uses is MQLs. Right. So no, they're cranking right. out a thousand a month. So, and this all sounds so easy. Like everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I run into that. But yet, then the quarterly plan comes around. And it's like, well, do we need to adjust our MQLs? How are we, you know, it's like, stop it. If everything right. goes back to revenue, if you figure out now, it doesn't mean that marketing doesn't have a very specific set of, you know, of, of I really prefer the OKR framework, by the way, but, um, but that's neither here nor there, but, you know, yes, you know, you can say, okay, in this quarter, you know, marketing is going to do these sets of activities, you know, um, here are the outcomes, you know, here's the invest. And it could be based on investment. Like marketing is going to go to that trade show, not spend 300,000. They're going to spend a hundred thousand, but right. they're still going to scan as many badges. Okay. Hey. You know, that, that, I mean, like now I've, I've just freed up $200,000, which maybe I need because our revenue's down, or maybe I freed up that 200 because I've said, Hey, I'm going to reallocate that to this other thing that we believe is going to have greater efficacy. You know, in other words, drive revenue, Right. but too many teams are set up. And so you've got this, this, you know, this, this competition and it's just not healthy. <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, I, you're absolutely right. Is it's not healthy for the individuals, but it's not healthy for the business. But nobody wins in that situation. Everybody nobody. loses. Everybody. The business loses. The sales head loses. The marketing head loses. And the CEO founder loses. Right. Like, right. And yet company after company after company after company is still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we get that. Yeah. But you know what? It's the only way I have to measure what the marketing team's doing. Well, then you got the wrong marketing team. Right. You got the wrong marketing head. Right. So, Mark, I, I got to end it there because that's the perfect mic drop moment. At the okay. end of the day, it is absolutely about that. Yeah. Thank you for giving us your time and your talent and your experience and your expertise. This was awesome. It was great to be here. And thank you for the opportunity. I, I hope that um, there were a few nuggets in there that the audience will find useful. So it's a full Chick-fil-A eight pack. Thank you. There you go. And I love Chick-fil-A. Well, ditto. Ha, <laughs> ha,